I'm glad to be here with you guys um, this morning. So we've been in a series um, called More and More, and tonight, or this morning, we're going to continue on in this series. And as we do, I want to start off this morning by um, having you do a little introspection. So I want to ask you a question, and I want you to just think, uh, I'm not going to make you answer out loud or anything like that, but I want you to just think about this question and, and how you would answer it honestly in your mind, okay? Here's the question. What are you living for? What are you living for? I think about that. Don't answer too quickly. Like, what are you living for? You look at our world and, you know, we live in the, on this very diverse planet with different personalities and passions and gifts and all that sort of thing. And different people live for different things, right? Like there's this broad spectrum of what people live for. And so I want to give you some, um, some things that as I live, as I've observed, that I think people live for. And I want you to just honestly evaluate. Maybe one, of the, one or two of these things resonates with you and you're like, yeah, I think I, I, I live for those things as well. But I want you to just kind, of, just, just kind of take a step back and evaluate in your life, what am I living for? So the first thing I look at our world and I think the, there's a lot of people that live for wealth, right? Like wealth and riches. And so we go, I, I, I want to have everything I want. I'm living for the accumulation of stuff. If I could have everything that I want, then I could be happy, right? There's a lot of people that live to be rich. If, if you could ask them, what's, what's, if you could have one wish, what would it be? In fact, I saw something on Facebook the other day with this. If you could have one wish, what would it be? And it listed a bunch of things, and I saw a bunch of people say, wealth, that was one of the things, to be rich. That's what they're living for. There's a lot of people that live for that. There's a lot of people that live for uh, fame or vanity. If I, could, if I could just be famous, if people would just know my name, Man, then, like, that's, that's my goal in life. That's what I'm living for. Or, or to look a certain way, Yeah, you know? I, wanna look, I want people to look at me and go, man, he's dot-dot-dot, handsome, strong, whatever it is. There's a lot of people that, like, what they live for is fame or vanity. How about this one? Safety and security. What am I living for? I want to be safe. I want to be secure, right? Why? So I don't have to stress. So I don't have to worry. Things are under my control, right? I, then, I, then I'll always know that I have enough. I could just like always have enough. That's all I'd want in life. I wouldn't have to depend on anybody else. Then I'd be able to retire young. It'd be awesome. Safety and security. How about this one? Vengeance. Some people live to pay somebody back for what they did to them or, or what they did to somebody that they love, right? I'm driven by my pain. I'm driven by my desire for retribution, in my mind, I think that's what's going to satisfy me. I'm living for that. How about this one? Pleasure. There's a lot of people that live for pleasure. It's called hedonism, right? I'm not so much concerned about right or wrong. I'm not so much concerned about, you know, those sort of things. But what I'm concerned about what makes me feel good, what I enjoy, what brings pleasure to me. It's funny, on um, Wednesday, every Wednesday, we have a meeting in the morning with um, some of the guys here. I was uh, talking about the services, and I bounced kind of sermon ideas off. I'm getting their reaction. And John was talking about a song, and I opened up my iTunes, and the, um, the album that was advertised to me, you know, they do target marketing. The album that was advertised to me um, was this one. Go to the next slide. Post Malone. I, I've never heard of him. Maybe some of you guys listen to him. I don't think about him. Um, but the title of the album was Beer Bongs and Bentleys. And I was like, man, you missed it when you were targeting me with that album. I don't know, that, that doesn't resonate with me. But I looked at it, and, you, and you're like, that's hedonism. Like, that's just the def. I don't know him. I don't know what he you know, sings about or raps about or whatever. But like, it's kind of the definition of hedonism. It's, it's good. It makes me feel good, right? It brings, it brings pleasure to me. How about this on sports? 
There's a lot of people that live for sports, like the most important thing to them. We've been watching the, uh, the Cavs, go Cavs, NBA playoffs. And, uh, you know, some of those guys, basketball is the most important thing in their lives, right? They live for basketball. Their life is focused on it, centered around it. If you ever, you ever listen to, it's fascinating listening to um, interviews with Kobe Bryant, particularly when he played, like his life revolved around basketball. He, he lived and breathed basketball. It seems like that's what he lived for. Maybe, maybe for some people it's religion. You know, I live for my religion, and, and not just the Christian religion. You know, there's very committed uh, Muslims and Jews and Hindus and Buddhists and Sikhs and atheists. I would argue that that's a religion as much as any of the others. People that live for that. Family. There's a lot of people that live for their family. There is nothing more important in my life than my family. I live for them. What about you? Like in your life, what do you, what do you live for if you're honest? And, and here's a follow-up question. Why? Why are you living for what you're living for? Why are you living for what you're living for? Like, why, why does that drive you, whatever it is? Why does that get you out of bed in the morning? Why does that motivate you throughout your day? I think, as I think about, personally, the answer to that second question, like, why am I living for what I'm living for? I, I think the answer for all of us, ultimately, is we think it's best. Whatever it is that we're living for, in our minds, we go, I think this is the best thing for me. Now, maybe, maybe we, we go, well, I know that living for pleasure maybe doesn't make sense, or maybe it's not really the best, but it's what I want, right? It is the most important thing to me. Why are we li- what are we living for? Why are we living for what we're living for? Chew on that. Let me, let me kind of give you a quick um, recap. So we're continuing on in this series called More and More. And this series is, it's, so as you might get from the title, it's all about growth, right? And so it's the idea of growing more and more as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian. And so for a lot of us, this is a very important concern in our lives. So, so let me say this too. I should have said this earlier. We're all at different places spiritually too. Right? Some people in here have been Christians for a long, long time, 70 plus years. Other people are sitting in here and you're like, I wouldn't call myself a Christian. I wouldn't identify that way. But I'm interested, I'm curious, you know. And we have everything in between, right? Well, there's a lot of us that are in here that were like, I, there's nothing more in my life that I want than to grow as a follower of Jesus, to grow as a disciple of Jesus. I don't want to just like go through the motions in life. I don't want to just stand pat and be content where I'm at. I want to get to know God, but I want to grow that way. And sometimes it's hard to, to like measure that, to understand, am I growing or am I not growing, right? And sometimes we can be tempted to ask the wrong questions to evaluate if we're growing or we're not growing, right? I can, be, I can be tempted to ask questions to myself that maybe aren't the most important questions to determine, am I growing as a disciple of Jesus? So this series is all about um, uncovering the right questions for us. Like, if, I, if you sit here this morning and you're like, I want to grow as a Christian, I want to get to know God better, I want to mature, I want to spiritually mature, This is what this series is about, is to help us ask the right questions so we can evaluate in our lives, am I growing as a Christian? Now, I want to say something that I said the first week that I just want to reiterate. Um, So this is about us asking ourselves the right questions, right, so that we can determine if we're growing. But it's also about asking each other the right questions. Because my faith and my responsibility is not just for myself, right? This is part of 
the definition of the church. Like there's this interconnectedness there. And we're not just a bunch of solos, a bunch of individuals just doing our best to be Christians in this world. We're connected to each other and we have a responsibility to help each other along in the process. And so these questions, I, I, I kind of let you know what we're going to uh, plan to do here at the end. We're going to put all these questions together in the applicable scripture verses and we're going to put them on a sheet of paper and we're going to challenge you to take that and find somebody to walk with that way. Like who's somebody that you could be asking those questions to? They could be asking these questions to you so that you could help each other grow. And so as we dig into this, I want to encourage you, don't just think about our, yourself, but also think maybe who's somebody that I could invest in, that I could help along on their spiritual journey as well. So, so let me give you in five minutes, five minutes, um, a, a, just a little recap of where we've been over these past weeks. So we're in the fifth week of this series. So the first week of the series, we kind of just gave you an overview and we said, what is a disciple? What does it mean to follow Jesus? So, so we want to lay the foundation, like what is a Christian? Right? We laid this foundation. What we did was we looked at this relationship between a rabbi and a disciple. Rabbi means master, a master and a disciple. And when a, when a master took on disciples, called disciples, it was a lifelong commitment that that disciple made to the master, to the rabbi, that they would essentially be the most important human relationship in their life. They spent time with them, they followed them, they absorbed their teachings, all of that. So that first week, we dug into that and we said, this is kind of what it means to be a Christian. God, Jesus, is our rabbi, and we're his disciple. And so we learn from him, we grow in him. So I won't, I won't go back into that. If you're interested, all this stuff is online. But that was the first week. The second week, we asked this question. We said, is your understanding of God's love growing more and more? Do you, is your understanding of God's love growing more and more? Do I understand the extent of God's love? Do I understand how deep and wide and broad God's love is for me? Little old me, little old imperfect me who's made tons of bad decisions. Do I understand the extent of his love for other people? The extent of his love for the world? Like wrestling with understanding God's love and the implications. That's where we're at the second week. The third week, we said, is your love for God growing more and more? So first, is God, are you understanding God's love for you more and more? The next week, is my love for God growing more and more? And what we said is, these first two are connected to each other. And they're really what being a Christian is all about. Understanding God's love for me and then responding back with love for him. We can get confused by this. Christianity isn't all about doing something. Doing the right things, don't do the wrong things. That's not what Christianity is about. Fundamentally, Christianity is about understanding and accepting God's love for us and responding back with love for him. And it's amazing how these two things work. When the more and more I understand God's love for me, the more and more I desire to love him back. It just works that way. Like when I, when I understand how the, the just, holy, righteous, perfect God of the universe loves me, who is none of those things, I step back and I go, I want to know him better. Like I want to love him more. I want to make him the most important thing about me, the most important thing in my life. I want to be his disciple, right? And so he said, Christianity fundamentally is about that. Understanding God's love for me, responding back with my love for him right? That then has some implications to it. It leads to results. It leads to actions. It has outcomes and effects. That's where we went last week. Josiah last week talked about this question. He said, is your love for those Jesus loves growing more and more? 
Is your love for those Jesus loves growing more and more? So the first two weeks are like the foundation. Understanding God's love for me, responding with love back to him. That has implications for my life. One of those implications is I start to love people the way that Jesus loved people, right? I, the more time I spend with him, the more I understand his love, I go, I, I desire actually to love people. And you look at the way, Josiah, I thought, did a great job. He looked specifically at the disciples. Like these 12 disciples that Jesus gathered around him were so different. They were so diverse. And Jesus loved them in shocking ways, in extreme ways, right? And we stepped back and we said, that's how he calls us to love too. And so this morning, if you sit here and you're like, I don't know, I want to grow. Am I growing in my love for God? One of the ways that we evaluate if we're growing more and more as Christians as we go, am I loving other people the way Jesus loved other people? And if I'm not, I can step back and go, all right, something's wrong. Some, something's wrong. Something's not right. I need to understand God's love more and more. I need to express my love for him more and more so that then affects the way that I love people. Tracking with me? So that all leads to what we're going to talk about this week. Here's the, here's the topic. Here's the question this week. Are you living for what Jesus lives for more and more? Are you living for what Jesus lives for more and more? So I asked you a question at the beginning. I said, what are you living for? Right? So you've been chewing on that, right? And we said, like, people live for different things. We are a very diverse planet of people. And people live for different things. And, and, and here's the thing. When we choose to live for one thing, we can't live for everything, right? If I choose to live for one thing, it means I'm choosing not to live for a bunch of other things. Right? If I'm pursuing this, I can't pursue everything at the same time. And so Jesus was actually really clear in what he lived for. It's actually very obvious when we read the Bible, like what he lived for and what he challenges us to live for. And what he calls us to live for is really countercultural. It's really different. So those, whatever it was, six, seven things that I went through at the beginning, like what are things that people live for? What Jesus lives for is actually really different than a lot of those things. And here's what I know. What he the things that he calls us to live for, here's what they do for us. They bring more meaning and purpose and joy and satisfaction in our lives than any other thing, than any other thing possible. Ultimately, not always immediately, right? When we're living for pleasure, there's immediate gratification to it, right? With, with living for what Jesus lives for, there's not always immediate gratification, but there's ultimate and lasting gratification, I want to show you some things. I want to, I want to uh, walk you through a few passages here. So I'll throw all, all these up on the screen. This morning, I want to do it a, a little bit different. So I want to jump around. I want, to, I want you to see like a broad perspective this morning of things. Next week, we'll, we'll kind of dig into one passage. But this morning, I want you to see a broad perspective. I just want you to see of some of the things, some of the things that Jesus values and lives for and how that may be different than what we may experience and be tempted to live for that the world says. Okay, so here's, I'll, I'll just throw a few of these out here. Here's what Jesus says about wealth. Go ahead and go to that next screen. Here's what he says about wealth. He says, do not store, so we, we go, man, I'm living for a while. I want to be rich more than anything else. Check it on the Facebook survey, right? Here's what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and, rust, um, moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we're like, okay, the world says rich. That's the answer. If I could just be rich, it'll solve all my problems. If I could have stuff, everything that I want, all my problems will go away. Jesus is like, no, no, no. 
That's not what's most important. Don't store up treasures on earth. It'll be gone one day. Instead, store up treasures in heaven. How about this? This is what he says about being famous and important and making a name for ourselves. The disciples, Jesus' disciples, were talking about um, which of them would be the greatest. You know? we're, we want to be the greatest. Which of us is going to be the greatest? And this is Jesus' response. He called them together and he said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Hearing that, you go, hmm, it's pretty different than what the world says, right? I want to be rich and I want to have servants to do everything for me. Jesus says, no, no, no. Being great in the kingdom of God, being great in my value system, it's not about being served by others, but it's serving other people, right? How about this one? That's what he says about living a safe, secure, easy life, no danger. This is what he says. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What's he saying? It's not all about an easy, secure life where I don't have to depend on anybody else. And he's like, you're going to be persecuted. If you're following me, persecution comes, insults come. And guess what? You'll be blessed through it. Real different, right? How about this one? This is what he says about vengeance on those that hurt us or hurt somebody that we love. Blood. There you go. You've heard it said before, love your enemy and hate your neighbor. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. No, 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 no. I tell you, somebody hurts you, pray for them. And in fact, there's another passage that says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Pray for them and love your enemies. Pretty different, right? How about one, one more? Physical pleasures. This is what Jesus says about physical pleasures. He said to his disciples, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, that's, a, that's AKA a Christian, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Living for pleasure, hedonism is all about not denying myself. If I want something, it must be good and I should have it, right? Jesus is like, no. You want to be my disciple? We deny ourselves. It's not about doing whatever we want, right? Jesus' value system is so different than the world's. In fact, it's kind of the opposite of what much of the world says is really important. Now, I want to be clear here. I don't think Jesus is saying that, you know, wealth and safety and security and fame and pleasure, even a desire for justice to be done, I don't think Jesus is saying those things are inherently bad. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is we shouldn't live for them. They shouldn't drive us. That shouldn't be the motivators of our life. That's not what we're living for. So what Jesus lives for is different. So what does he value? What does Jesus value? Well, this week, I had a cool week. So sometimes when I'm you know, planning for a sermon, preparing for a sermon, um, it's challenging. And I, you know, I'm like praying, God, show me where to go. And, and then other weeks, um, it's different. And this was, this was an interesting week. This was a cool week on, I don't know, Monday or whatever. I started... Um, kind of digging into this. And what I did was, I was asking myself the question, what does Jesus live for? What, what is Jesus living for? 
And so I grabbed my Bible and I flipped it open to the book of Matthew and I just started flipping through the Gospels and, and being reminded of the things that Jesus lived for. His experiences, his teachings, right? His miracles, like what are the things that Jesus did? What are the things that Jesus lived for? And, and you know, I, I stepped back and actually my first thought was, I don't know how anybody could read this about Jesus and not be attracted to him, right? Because you, you read the things that he says and you're like, yeah, that is, that is what's right. Like that is, that is what's important. Maybe I'm not living that way right now, but I can, yeah, I can tell that that's what's right and good. And so I want to encourage you this week. In fact, I'll challenge you more with this at the end, but I want to encourage you this week to actually read the Bible. There's so many people that go, no, I don't believe this, or I disagree with that, or whatever, and they've never actually read it. Like, allow Jesus' life and words to transform you. It's powerful. Anyway, so I was doing that, and there are some things that, like, jumped out to me. What does Jesus live for? What are things that Jesus lived for? And so here's what I want to do. I, I pulled out four. It's not an exhaustive list. There's, there's lots of other things. But I think I got the big things that Jesus lived for. And so I want to spend a few minutes. I got to go quickly through them. But I want to spend a few minutes looking at these four things, these four specifics that Jesus lived for. After that, I want to kind of pan out a little bit. I want to take a step back and I want to go, okay, what's the big picture of what Jesus lived for? How could I sort of categorically understand the things that Jesus lived for? And then I want to tell you a story about a former student of mine who I, I think is living for what Jesus lived for in our world today in a powerful way. And I, hope, and I hope a motivating way to you. And so I want to tell you a story about him. And then I want to end by just challenging you to process through, like, what does it look like in your life to live for what Jesus lived for? Okay? So let's dig into it. So um, here's the first thing. So as I do a little survey of the Gospels, Here's the first thing that I see that Jesus lived for. Ready? Healing others. Let me read this. Go to the next passage there. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man, came along, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. It goes on later. Crowds of people came to him and to be healed of their sicknesses. I read that and I'm like, and, and that's one example. There's lots of different places throughout the Gospels. And I'm like, Gee, clearly Jesus lived for compassionately bringing healing to people. And, and this is just one example, right? And this is, this is just physical healing. He didn't just physically heal people. He also healed people emotionally, and of course, he healed people spiritually. And so I read that. I read all these different times where he's bringing healing, 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 health to people's lives. And I step back and I ask myself a question. Here's a question. Am I living to, bring, to help bring healing to people's lives? Am I living to help bring healing to people's lives? Now, listen, I can't like do miraculous healing. I can't put my hand on somebody and make them see. I don't have that ability. Man, I could heal people in other ways. And so can you. I can help people be healthy. I can help people become whole. Right? What does that look like? Talking to people. Being involved in their lives. Listening to them. Celebrating with them. Think about all we are talking about with the mentoring over here at the schools. Mourning with them. Crying with them. There is an incredible amount of healing that we could bring to people um, who are hurting. 
right? Like a funeral or something like that? Am I living to bring healing to people's lives? I really encourage you, like as we're digging into this stuff, like allow God to, sh- to show you what that could look like in your life to help other people. Am I bringing healing in people's lives? That's the first thing. Here's the second thing I notice. Jesus served others a lot. This is in Mark 10. So this is um, the parallel passage, the one that we looked at earlier in Matthew. So Jesus calls, so his disciples are arguing who's the greatest, right? He called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Clearly, like when you read the Gospels, when you read about Jesus' life, clearly he came to serve others. Think about that. The King of Kings. If, if, what, if this is true, he's the King of Kings. He's the God of the universe. And he came as a servant. Next week, we're going to dig way more into that. I, I, I said next week, we're going to focus on one passage. One of the things we're going to dig into is this idea. It's, we're talking about attitudes next week. Talk about this idea of being a servant to other people. Like what Jesus teaches about serving other people is revolutionary, right? So here, here's the question that I ask myself. Am I living to serve others or myself? Am I living to serve others or if I'm honest... Am I living to serve myself? Do I see myself as a servant? Do I see myself as somebody who who's, um, needs to help other people? Who can bless other people? Who can come alongside other people? I don't know about you. This, one, this is good for me. Because I forget. Or I get distracted. And I need to be reminded. Like how easy is it to start focusing on ourselves and not even realize it? And you step back and you go, wait a minute. What is my motivation for these things? Am I really here to serve myself or am I here to serve other people? Are you living to serve others? It's a great question. How about this one? Two more. Here's the third thing Jesus lived for, to share truth with others. He lived to share truth with others. You know, when you do this little survey of the Gospels, you see time and time and time again where Jesus is telling stories or parables or just giving teachings that share truth with people right? Many times, most of the time, it's with love and compassion, grace. There's other times when he is more direct, right? So there's actually an example. This is, uh, I thought this is an interesting example. This is in Matthew 21. So he's talking to the leaders of Israel, okay? And this is what he shares with them. Jesus said to them, to the chief priests and to the elders, he said, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you, For John came to show you the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. That's John the Baptist. And you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, those were two categories of people that back then everybody would go, yeah, they're sinners. There ain't no way they're going to heaven, right? Jesus is talking to the religious leaders and he's like, you don't get it. They get it. You don't get it, right? Even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. See, we read that and we're like, that sounds harsh. I think it would have sounded harsh to them as well. But here's the thing. The religious leaders who their responsibility was to share truth with people, right? Like that's what their role was. 
to share the truth of who God is and what it looks like to live for him and serve him. And they were doing exactly the opposite. They were misleading people. And Jesus has this passion for sharing the truth. And so he confronts, right? He's willing to be misunderstood. He's willing to uh, be hated because he has this passion to share the truth. And so I, like, I read that and I'm like, here's a question. Am I living to share truth that way with other people? You know, am I, am I, am I willing? Now, again, Jesus, most of the time, it was with incredible love and compassion and grace. But man, Jesus was misunderstood. There's a lot of people that hated Jesus. Am I willing to be misunderstood? Am I willing to be unpopular? There's a lot of things, and I'm sure you all know this, there's a lot of things within Christianity that are not popular in our, in our country, in our culture, that are not in vogue these days. That people go, wait a minute, you believe that? That's archaic. Come on. Am I, am I willing to, like, hold, to value truth so much that I'm willing to be misunderstood, judged, maybe even hated? Jesus was. Let me, let me give you one more, and I think this is the biggest one. Jesus lived for saving others. This is in uh, Luke chapter 19. So for the Son of Man came, here's why he came, to seek and save the lost. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life, fullness of life, have it to the full. How about this one, John 3.16 and 17. First part is probably familiar to some of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I, I think, like as you read the Gospels, I think this is the biggest thing that Jesus lived for. He came to save. He was on a mission from the Father. The mission was to help other people receive eternal life. That's why Jesus came. And so I step back from that and I ask myself the question, I go, am I living to save others? Like, Jesus lived, literally lived to save other people. It's the reason that he came. I don't know, am I, am I living to save others? Now, of course, I can't save anyone myself, but I can tell them about the one who can. And I can pray to him for them, right? Is, is the good news of the gospel such good news to me and to you that we go, man, I am living to help other people experience this the way that I have. There's nothing more important to me than for other people to experience what I've experienced in Jesus, the hope and the peace and the joy. Those are the four things. Go, go to that next, uh, yeah, go to the next slide. These are four, and this isn't all. These are four really big things that Jesus lived for. Am I living to bring healing to people's lives? Am I living to serve others, not myself? Am I living to share truth with others? Am I living to save others? So I look at those, let's pan out for a minute. I look at those, what do they all have in common? You just put it up there. What's the first one? <laughs> They're not about us, right? They're about others. And so you go back to how I started. What are some of these things that, you know, the world values? Wealth, fame, vengeance, you know anything that I want, right? What are all those about? Me. They're all very me-centered, right? But what Jesus calls us to live for is not about us. In, in Christianity, it, 
there's, there's a huge part that's about giving my life away to other people. Jesus says things like, if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it for me. It's very other-centered. That's the first thing. Second thing I look at, I'm like, it's very kingdom of God-centered, right? They're really all in one way or another about God's kingdom, helping people become part of God's kingdom through Jesus, making our world have kingdom values, right? Kind of extending Jesus' influence and teaching. They're all really about the kingdom of God, all of those things. And then third, they're all, forgive my English here, they're all kind of this life and eternal life centered, you know? The first ones that we talked about, the things of the world, were like all of those have value in this life only, right? If I seek pleasure, pleasure's going to be gone one day. If I seek stuff and wealth, it's all going to be gone one day. We can't take any of that with us. The stuff Jesus values has value in this life, but also has value in the life to come, right? It has eternal value. Why? Because it's all about people, and people are going to live forever in one way or another, so things that Jesus values, yeah, they actually make your life significantly better right here and right now. But they also extend into eternity. So um, I have a, over the years, I've, I've had the chance, the privilege really to, uh, to teach at various uh, colleges and seminaries and stuff. And I, I love it. I think I love it because um, of the students, because like the conversations that you get to have with students, kind of deep conversations about God and his church, and what it looks like to lead and teach in his church. So uh, I had, I've had lots of different students over the years, and, but one guy, amazing students, but one guy in particular challenged me um, a lot in my faith. I was going to say as a Christian leader, yes, but also just as a Christian, because he was a guy that more than anything else, he wanted to be used by God to, to help make Jesus make sense to people, to help people understand that God loved them, that God sent Jesus to die for them. Like, and he was willing to do whatever it was that God called him to do that way, even if it meant great sacrifice for him. And so um, I, well, last week, the week before, or something like that, I got an email from him. He sends a little email updates, just kind of um, telling what's going on in his life. And so over the last year or so, he's been out of the country um, traveling to different parts of the world where the gospel's not clear, where the gospel's not accessible. And so he would go to these places and have conversations with people about Jesus. And so some of these places are very dark. They're uh, very oppressed. They're very dangerous, especially if you're a Christian. And, and in fact, in most of these places, Christianity is illegal. It's actually illegal to be a Christian. And so he's choosing to go there. I, mean, you just, I just want you to let this hit your heart inspire you. He's choosing to go there at great risk to himself. I mean, he literally could be imprisoned or killed for some of the stuff that he's doing. But he's so passionate about helping people understand who Jesus is that don't have any chance to hear Jesus, right? And so he sends, so he sends me this email. He's just kind of updating us. And I want to read it to you. It's part of it to you. Um, because I think he shows us in a very tangible way what a life could look like that is committed to living for what Jesus lives for. Okay, so I want to read this to you. And again, this is a guy, this isn't like, you know, some story I found on the internet. This is a guy that I know well. He's about 20, mid-20s, 20s, 25-ish, something like that. And uh, he's trustworthy and he has integrity. So I, I want you to just kind of hear his story. So this is his email. He says, the main reason I wanted to write this was to update, I'm sorry, was to invite you guys 
to take time to pray with me this week for a specific man that I'm asking the Lord to encounter ASAP. This last week, I was sent with five others into an Islamic country with no known recorded believers or fellowships to ask God to open the door and soften the heart of the locals to receive the good news. We're part of a delegation sent with several other teams on secret missions all around Asia and the Middle East. This country has laws against conversion, and they also revoke citizenship from their own citizens who leave the Islamic faith. So from the get-go, I knew that this would not be an easy task. Shortly after arriving, our team of six uh, started our time with 24 hours straight of continuous intercession. That's prayer. 24 hours straight of prayer, with each of us taking four hours of the day to engage in spiritual warfare for the people here. During this time, this prayer time, I asked the Lord specifically for an open door to share with a man of influence over the place where we're stationed. And guess what? After our team finished our 24 hours of prayer through the night, we went out to share in the streets, and I met, um, I'll, just, I'll call him a high-ranking official. I met a high-ranking official sent from the capital city. He was very hospitable, and he invited my friend and I to sit and to talk with him, and he offered us waters. He even gave us, he even offered us cigarettes, which we had declined, but all to say he was very kind and welcoming to us as strangers and foreigners. I even shared that we were Christians and followers of Jesus, and throughout our conversation I felt an openness and a kindness in this man. His English was a little weak, but thank God, thank God for Bollywood's far-reaching influence. Bollywood is like Indian Hollywood, right? So Bollywood's far-reaching uh, influence because he knew some Hindi, so I could speak half Hindi, half English to him to make sense of our conversation. After talking for a while, I invited him to get dinner with us, and that's where you come into the story. So this is his email writing to us. The man's name is, I'm not going to say it, is this. And I really want him to encounter the love of Jesus through us. I mean, we might all get kicked out tomorrow and blacklisted from entering the country if we're not shrewd. Or we could see the impossible happen if God goes before us and softens and creates a deep hunger in this man. I just believe that God can truly soften this man's heart and change the entire history of this nation one person at a time. I wanted to simply invite you to take a few minutes. So this email is sent out to some of us to pray for him and support him and stuff. I wanted to simply invite you to take a few minutes to pray for this man to have dreams of Jesus and, and for God to prepare his heart. Pray for wisdom in how we share and for grace in the situation. It's crazy to think, but maybe we can look back in five to ten years and say we all partnered to see a closed nation receive a witness of the good news. I'm so excited and I can't wait to see what comes of all this. You know, emotional thinking about that. I read that and there's so many things in that email that I love. And, uh, and I'm so proud of him. <laughs> like the choices that he's making and the sacrifices that he's making to, um, to do what he's doing his willingness to go where God's calling him to go. And, and to do, go, go back to that slide with all four of them listed up there. And to do this, to like live for these things. And, and he's in an extreme situation. Like the calling in his life is go to a far off country that's dangerous on the other side of the world and tell people that don't know anything about Jesus, that think Jesus is not truth, Teach them the truth of the gospel. That's his calling in his life. And maybe for some of you, that's the calling in your life. I don't know. 
But I'm pretty sure that, that for most of us, God's calling is not to go to the other side of the world to share the truth about who Jesus is, but instead it's to do it in our land, right? Like it, with our families, maybe in our schools, in our workplaces, and in our community. Listen, let me ask you a question. What would it look like for you in, in your context, right where you're at, right here, right now, what would it look like for you to live for what Jesus lives for? Like if you, if you walked out of here today and you're like, I want to live that way. And God, I want you to use me in a powerful way right where you've called me. What could that look like in your life? I, I, I read my friend's email and I'm like, I don't know that I pray that way very often. If I'm honest, I'm just being honest. I don't know that I've ever prayed for four hours straight, engaged in spiritual warfare for my community. He's doing it. And look what God is doing. What would it look like in your life if you step back and you're like, God, I want to be used by you. I want to live for what you live for. I want to bring healing to people's lives. I want to serve people. I want to help people experience the truth. I want people to come to know you and be saved. Like in your life, what could that look like? You know, I, some of you I know live in Barberton, some of you don't live in Barberton. I know this community, and there is so much hurt. There's probably in any of our communities so much hurt and so much pain and so much lostness and lacking hope. And if you sit here today and you're a Christian, you have the greatest hope, the greatest truth, the greatest healing power that any of us could have if we would just do something with it. If we would step out and love people enough to tell them, what does it look like in your life to live for what Jesus lived for? Here's my challenge to you. Here's how, here's how I'll end. Three things. Actually, you can throw that next slide up there. Three things. Do a survey. I challenge you. Just the Gospel of Matthew. So in the New Testament, the second half of our Bibles, the first four books are about the life of Jesus, right? The very first one is the Gospel of Matthew. Just go in the Gospel of Matthew. Flip through it. Just read the headings if you want. And just see the things that Jesus valued. What did Jesus live for? I gave you four of them. There's others. I go, just go through and just allow God's Spirit to speak to you. And then talk to him. And ask him the hard question, say, how might, li how might my life need to change in order to live for what you live for? And that's an uncomfortable question, I realize that. And probably a lot of times we go, I don't know, I don't even want to think about it. I know, my life's not perfect. Or, or we resign to the struggle and we go, I don't know, I'm just always going to struggle with this, whatever it is. What if you ask God, show me what needs to change and give me the strength to change. Do the work inside of me. And then, what if you asked him and said, God, give me a vision for what kind of impact that you desire to have in my life for the kingdom of God. Like, show me what you want to do. Here's the thing, God's got plans for all of us, right? Like, he's got people in your life that he has put there on purpose for you to talk to about him. He's got plans for each of us. What if you ask God, like, give me a vision for what you want to do inside of me, what you want to do through me, right? I challenge you this week to do that and to ask God to give you the strength to 
to live for what Jesus lives for. Imagine how our world could change if we just do that one person at a time.